0: I have been saying pragmatic patience is where I am right now. I'm trying to be realistic. It's like, okay, Harriet Tubman might be on the $20 bill at some point in time. Yes, that will be symbolic and exciting for a lot of people. But we got to figure out vaccines. We got to figure out awareness and PSAs about the vaccine. We also have to figure out the economics. How badly this former president ran this country into the ground. And I don't think that we actually know the extent to which he was a disaster. I mean, we know he's a disaster. We haven't been flipping through the books. Hello and from the Grio I'm your co-host Dr. Christina Greer
1: and I'm your co-host Dr. Jason Johnson and you are listening to What's in it for us?
0: Well, hello, Dr. Johnson. It is Joe Biden's first week in office as the 46th president of the United States of America. Lots of folks are saying he needs to do more. He just got there. I think we need to fall back just a little bit, but the expectations are high. Chuck Schumer, Senate Majority Leader, I've always said he wasn't ready for this job. So where does he go from here? And how much should he work with Minority Leader Mitch McConnell? Number three, your boy is getting impeached again. Second time. First president ever, but he's getting impeached for a second time and started a little website for himself uh, to talk about it. And then the last... Last thing is, the insurrectionists are being released far and wide. They're not sitting in jail as they wait for their trials, except for two that are sitting in there, and they kind of look like us. So,
1: those are the things that are on my mind this week. You know what, Dr. Greer, here's the thing. I love how people have these amazing expectations of Joe Biden. This is like your first day of class or something, and they're like, alright, what's your final project? I haven't even been paying attention. I literally just showed up in class. These insurrectionists, I am not surprised. I am amazed, of course, that anyone is surprised that Black people end up spending more time in jail for the same things that white people do because that happens all the time. As far as impeachment goes, it will be an absolute crap show as we're reminded that our democracy doesn't work anymore. But as per usual, the real question when we think about these topics, Dr. Greer, is what's in it for us.
0: So Jason, this week on my timeline, I've been thinking about some of the presidential parties that went down before Donald Trump left office. And two that stuck out to me were your good friend, Paul Wayne, and also former Detroit Mayor Kwame Kilpatrick. Now let's start with Kwame Kilpatrick. Kwame Kilpatrick was sentenced to 28 years in federal prison in 2013 due to a conviction on multiple corruption charges, including racketeering, bribery, extortion, and fraud. And keep in mind, he was second generation public servant. I use that term pretty loosely. But his mother had been elected official in the state of Michigan. So Trump commuted his his sentence. Many people thought, though, that 28 years was a bit extreme and that it was clearly something that was given to a black mayor that has not been given to white mayors in the past. So he has had time, sir. I believe he was in Texas serving that time. But Kwame Kilpatrick is now free as a bird. Velour suits and SUVs abound in Motor City. What do you think about Trump commuting Kilpatrick's sentence? How did you feel about that?
1: Talk about bad timing. You were supposed to commute Kwame Kilpatrick during the election in order to gain the black vote. Donald Trump is so dumb. That's what we were talking about at this point last year, Dr. Greer. He was going to pardon Kwame Kilpatrick in some sort of lame, tacky way of convincing black people. that, like, oh my God, he cares about criminal justice. I'm a friend of the Negro. Exactly. This is the thing. Kwame Kilpatrick is the quintessential example of why we can't do what they do. That is what this is. That is how this operates. And so, look, is he the most corrupt mayor on the face of the planet? No. Is he the most corrupt mayor in America? No. Was he the most corrupt mayor at the time? No. But when you thumb your nose at the law, and you're black, and you do some stuff that quite frankly was totally unnecessary, like all of this starts because they fired a pensioner for discovering his affairs. Like, there's so many different ways you could have handled this better. You
0: promote the pensioner. You don't fire the pensioner. Thank you. You
1: promote <laughs> the pensioner. You give him a nice job. You invite him to a party. You say, yo, I got this little resort and blah, 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 in and You can go hang out. I don't know why of all the things, racketeering, obstruction of justice and everything else like that. Why couldn't he just add bribery? Because that would have solved the problem.
0: Well, bribery is one of the charges. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, but I think there's a disproportionate number of black elected officials who go to prison for various offenses and they go for significant moments in time. And I think that you are absolutely correct. What your mama told you in elementary school must stand when you're an elected official. You cannot do what they do. Ask Ray Nagin, former mayor of New Orleans, who's currently sitting in prison as well. And so we see this time at Shaka Patan in Pennsylvania, yeah, we know that the microscope is long and wide and sharp. I mean, Jesse Jackson Jr. in prison as well. We have so many examples. Oh, I'm sorry. We can go through all the female mayors of Baltimore. Start
1: making you choose Yes. Yeah, I was like, there's a million of them for
0: stealing children's toys at yes, Christmas. It's gift cards. And then children's books.
1: Stay away from the kids. The arc of white justice is long and it leans towards Black people in prison. Yeah, it sure does. There are some Detroit people for real who I've spoken to and prep for the show. They didn't like how Kwame killed Patrick did business, and there are actual Black people, political people in Detroit who are like he went too far even for us. So there's something to be said because, for example, and Dr. Bre, you and I know this. There are still people to this day who won't let you say a bad word about Marion
0: Barry. I am one of them. Don't you say a word about Marion Barry, who I think is the greatest Black mayor in the history of this nation. Period. Dot. Marion Barry. Marion Barry. Marion Barry. Don't you say nothing
1: about Marion Barry? That's some real stuff. Listen,
0: I think we'll have a whole episode about don't you say nothing bad about my Mary and Barry. OK, there you go. not at all. But I think the difference is Kwame Kilpatrick had what I've talked to a lot of my Detroit friends. There was some thuggery nonsense going on. Yes. They knew where this train was going. Yes, it was slow moving at first and then it was really swift. And so it's like you're making our city look bad. They were in receivership for a while. The economic vitality of Detroit because of his shenanigans really did damage some things. But then you also have some folks who were like, well, listen, we know that they were looking at him in ways that they weren't looking at the mayor of Point. So it's yet again and the different standard that black electors are held to. And so they did support him. And they also thought 28 years. I know that folks were sending a message, but I mean, 28 years is a long time in a federal
1: prison. Well, it is. But I mean, what did he do? Attempt to vote or skills some bread? This is what happens. The weird part, and again, I'm not trying to be entirely glib when I say this, but the weird thing is, one other lesson lessons you have to learn about corruption, any kind of corruption, anything else like that, and my mind is being warped right now because I've been binge watching secession. So I'm like knee deep in how rich white people do terrible things. You may yourself indispensable to the very people who might be able to hold you accountable. And that's another way that famous elected black people manage to sometimes keep themselves out of trouble. All those New York congressmen who are knee-deep in all sorts of shenanigans, how do those guys stay out of jail? They may have to step down from their seats, they may have to pay some fines, they may get censured, but they don't go to jail. Why? Because they know where all the bodies are buried, and they know where the bodies are buried for all sorts of different kinds of ethnic groups. That is the game. Now, of course, the game should be don't be corrupt at all, but if you're going to be corrupt, be that dude where it's too dangerous to put you in jail because you ain't going to turn states. You will flip continents. Everybody. You'll flip the
0: capital over. Right. But I think, Jason, we also have to be very clear with our language. You're talking about jail. We're talking about prison, right? Don't forget. Jail's where you go where you got to cool out before I decide whether or not you're going to prison. So, shifting to our good friend, Dwayne Michael Carter Jr. So, Trump pardons Lil Wayne. He was looking down the barrel of 10 years in federal prison for some gun charges because he was technically on probation. They found a gun and some drug paraphernalia on his private plane that was rerouted. I mean, it's seems a little sketches as to how that all went down. But what was interesting to me is I read his short autobiography during his time when he was at Rikers Island in New York City. So he technically was able to serve a sentence in jail in New York City for, I think it was a little over 12 months. And it was a really interesting book. A lot of it was pretty much mundane, but there were about eight pages throughout the entire journal entry that were fascinating, where you could tell he was digging deep. He spent quite a few months in solitary. This was the first time in his adult life that he'd been essentially, alone without handlers and fans. I mean, there were obviously fans in the jail without that touring life, you know, you're the star. But I was really thinking about what 10 years would do to someone like Lil Wayne psychologically, who we know has struggled with substance abuse. We know that he had no childhood a la Michael Jackson style and also how he was busted. So the fact that he then started shucking and jiving with Donald Trump during the campaign season made sense to me because I was like, well, if I'm trying to get out of 10 years, I guess I'd sort of hold my nose and go, put on a red hat and thumbs up and cozy up to one of the worst presidents in the history of the nation.
1: Look, they would rename me after the chicken establishment Bojangles, okay, for the level of dancing that I would do to avoid 10 years in prison. I would flip on every single person that I know and any other person necessary in order to get out of prison. That's just how you do it. Forget no snitching. Snitches get stitches, whatever it is. What's that song? Sorry, N-word, I need to go home. That's what snitch stands for. Like, I need to forget this. But I think the other thing about somebody like Lil Wayne is we have Also remember that rappers, just like politicians, often face much more serious charges for crimes and bad behavior than white celebrities do. I remember, we're old enough to remember Shine. Oh, yeah. Shine went to jail for seven years. Prison, not jail. Uh, Prison (laughs) for seven years. (laughs) For gun charges that may or may not really have been his issue. Yeah. Real talk. So Axl Rose and celebrities and Mel Gibson, all these other people have been caught doing drugs, whatever else it is. They don't go to jail for that much time. So, Well, I mean,
0: I always think of your favorite friend, who's Iron Man? What's his name? Oh, Robert Downey Jr. You remember our childhood, he couldn't stay out of a courtroom. Couldn't stay out of a courtroom. Never went to prison for a long time. But they treated him as a white man who had a drug problem, which he did. But I think a lot of people in our community actually do have substance abuse problems, it would benefit them to be in a place to assist them with their drug habit as opposed to a federal prison.
1: Oh no, Dr. Gray, it was deeper than that. I remember seeing Robert Downey Jr. do interviews about the fact that when he was in jail for his latest violation of his parole and everything else like that for drug use, they would put him in jail, but they would let him leave to film Allie McBeal. I don't know what kind of L.A. prison system that is. It would be amazing if you had like a prison system like, well, you're in jail for prostitution, but you do get to leave to walk some corners.
0: (laughs) Right. It's called the American judicial system. And so from politics to pop culture, that's why we need to know what's in it for us. Okay, so Dr. Johnson, it is Joseph Biden's first week in office. There are very high expectations. He's essentially walking into the White House like, I knew it was bad, I didn't know it was this bad. We've got half of the vaccine is just up and gone. There are no records on anything because as real criminals do, they tend not to write things down. He's like, we are literally trying to reverse engineer what has just happened in these past four years. So give us a moment, I'm signing executive orders to undo the horrible policies that Donald Trump put into place the Muslim ban, the trans ban. Let me stop this nonsensical construction of the U.S.-Mexico border wall. Let me rejoin the World Health Organization. Let me rejoin the Paris Climate Accord so our international partners actually respect us again. So he's trying to figure out manufacturing. He's trying to figure out infrastructure. He's trying to figure out the economy. He's trying to figure out COVID. He's trying to figure out where these vaccines went. And folks are just like, and what else? What else are you going to do? And he's like, I just got here. I know I've been here before, so I do know how the lights turn on. But now there's some new buttons that bring Diet Coke. I don't know what has happened since I left this office? Because this man was literally trying to run it into the ground. So I'm also looking at these agencies. Like, who are these people? You took out all the bureaucrats who used to actually keep it rolling. There's some who are still there, but there are many in higher locations. It's like, who are you? And wait, what do you mean that you used to work at Mar-a-Lago and now you are running an agency about housing or transportation or whatever important economic policy that affects millions of Americans? We just have bootleg people off the street running the show. So I have been saying pragmatic patience is where I am right now. I'm trying to be realistic. It's like, okay, Harriet Tubman might be on the $20 bill at some point in time. Yes, that'll be symbolic and exciting for a lot of people, but we got to figure out vaccines. We got to figure out awareness and PSAs about the vaccine. We also have to figure out the economics, how badly this former president ran this country into the ground. And I don't think that we actually know the extent to which he was a disaster. I mean, we know he's a disaster. We haven't been flipping through the books. So where are you with the expectations?
1: First, I'm going to change both Fox News and Janet Jackson. Oh my. What have you done for me lately? See, I'm going to be critical. I was watching Fox News last week and they had this whole thing. It's like, Biden's first week of disaster. I was like, first off, it's three days. Hasn't been a week. The inauguration was Wednesday. How is this first week a failure when the dude literally is checking the doors to make sure that the rooms are still in the same place and aren't covered with feces, semen, and urine from the influenza. They're still
0: wiping down COVID and right. bed bugs from the joint. Like, come on, give them a break. The dogs just arrived. Come on.
1: Melania got to change the bath toilet, so. So, I mean, you know, it's a couple things sort of what you mentioned. This reminds me of when Barack Obama got into office and low key, if Obama had his anger translator in 2009, when he stepped in office, I remember one of his first press conferences and basically he was like, oh, this place is shit. He basically said, we thought the books were bad. We thought we were heading into a bad economic time. And then we went downstairs in the basement and realized that there were rats and roaches and like the whole floorboards were gone and everything. This is the funny They thing. took
0: the copper pipe. Right. But here's the difference though, Jason. Obama was like, Listen, they took the copper piping. This place is a rundown money. But where's Tom Hanks? Where's Shelley Long? Except for the fact that Joe Biden's like, yo, I walked into the house. It's just basically a scaffold in the back. There are no books. <laughs> Ain't no books. They threw them away. They didn't write up. What am I supposed to do where there isn't even a roadmap to undo? He's literally trying to reconstruct what has happened these last four years.
1: And to continue our metaphor, because Trump was always causing so many problems and wouldn't allow the transition, the House hasn't even been appraised. These people have no idea what actually happened has been going on because they couldn't get any documentation, they couldn't get any information, they couldn't even get into the darn building. Because there is no. I will say this. From a priority standpoint, I think if we're talking about the Biden administration, this is a whole separate thing we talk about Schumer and McConnell, that sort of thing. I think the executive orders are a good idea. I like the idea that we're back to functional press conferences. I think, I think for political observers like ourselves and even for regular people, this is a wonderful example of like, oh yeah, things can get that bad. I don't know if Joe Biden has tweeted. And I don't effing care. How about that? I'm not... Not looking for policy from Twitter right now. He's putting people in positions. They're doing work. One issue that has been an important thing for me since last year, I wrote about it several times in the grill. I think it's important. We had interviews with this guy on TV. And there are members of Congress who have been pushing Biden for this, is he needs to fire the entire post office board.
0: Must. Absolutely. As someone who keeps the U.S. Post Service up and running with all the letters that I write each this week, what they did leading up to the election was short of criminal. And so you cannot trust Joy. You can't trust his right-hand man. You can't trust anybody who was remotely involved in making sure those machines were dismantled or destroyed. And so you just got to start fresh. Joe Biden's also, he's working with the Congress where the vast majority of the Republican Party is like, oh, the insurrection. I mean, you guys are just being a little sensitive. He's dealing with that whilst also asking them, can you give me close to $2 trillion so I can save not just my constituents, but your constituents too. I need the money, but all of a sudden, even though Republicans have run up the deficit the way they always always do. Democrats come back. We got to tax some people because now we got to rebuild the social safety net because you guys ran up the deficit, giving all your money to your rich friends with your tax breaks because it doesn't trickle down. Thanks, Ronald Reagan. So Joe Biden's in this weird place where he's dealing with these Republicans who are just like, until you, Joe Biden, say that January 6th wasn't a big deal, then I can't work with you. It's like the mental gymnastics are wild to me right now. It's
1: not shocking. They don't necessarily care about their constituents. And as the wise musician, philosopher, and political observer once said, don't save them. They don't want to be safe, right? (laughs) Right. They don't want to be ah. saved. So you can't bother. Right. You have to just push whatever policy through that you have. Joe Biden's issue was always going to be Joe Manchin and Kristen cinema. It was going to be Democrats who don't know how to wield power. Everything else that he's trying to do, I think he's working pretty fast. He fired the general counsel of the National Labor Relations Board, who didn't care anything about actually protecting labor. I think from the standpoint of moving people in and moving people out, he's done a good job. The challenge that I see for Biden is in about a week and a half, when we start impeachment and Congress has to slow down for a week and a half to take care of the impeachment process and everything else like that. What does Joe Biden do during those two weeks? Because there's still going to be work that's going to be done. But he's got to be asked questions, hard questions about what this means. Because one thing, Dr. Greer, that I think is important is you got to be able to pat your head and rub your tummy. I can't believe I'm doing this. And rub your
0: tummy and walk yeah. and chew gum all at the same time. And do the
1: electric slide. But
0: I think that Joe Biden is up to doing that. I think that yeah. he has enough on his plate where he can stay busy for two weeks while this impeachment trial happens and Kamala Harris is there and she's working. I think he can stay busy. Where I'm not confident, Jason, is to go back to a point you just made, is Democrats who are not comfortable or capable of wielding the power they have. Which brings me to my senior senator, Chuck Schumer, who is now the majority leader of the Democrats. And I am thoroughly unconvinced, unmoved, and unbothered by chuck schumer's ability to wield the power that he has this man is literally taking documents to mitch mcconnell like um excuse me mitch what do you think about this is this okay sir when in the past four years did mitch mcconnell ask you anything anything at all except for to say how many seats do you want to have several or a few sit down get out of my way chuck schumer is like mitch when do you think would be the best time to have
1: uh, a <laughs> impeachment Are
0: two is that okay mitch and i'm like we have so many issues with the republican members of Congress because, as we have consistently said, they refused to recognize the insurrection. They worked against Barack Obama from day one. Even when Obama was like, I'm giving you the policy you gave me. I'm just giving it back. I'm giving it to you. It's for free. I'm reversing the course. I'm screwing over Democrats. Take it. And they're like, no, now I don't want it. Because it's black. It's black. Your black hands touched it. Now I don't want it. So it's like, Chuck, you were there for all of that. You were there for eight years of that. Then you were there for four years of Mitch McConnell constantly making sure you got nothing. And so now I am thoroughly confused, Jason Johnson, as to why Chuck Schumer consistently scurries over to Mitch McConnell to ask for his opinion slash permission. I can give
1: him credit for this. I'm listening. Literally, he told Mitch McConnell like, you can kiss my butt when it comes to the filibuster. I'm not going to agree and Mitch McConnell caved, although it really is sort of status quo because Kristen Cinema and Manchin had already said that they weren't going to vote for filibuster. But the fact that Chuck Schumer came right out and said, no. I mean,
0: I'm sorry, Jason. That's one of the lowest hanging fruits I got in this tree. What else you got? Give me something
1: else. You know what? He ain't never pulled not from the tree before so we could be happy. Right. He got on a stool for what? The low-hanging fruit is always going to be there. At least he tried this time. He got on the step stool. I don't know what I believe in as far as Chuck Schumer and I'm in agreement with you about I never thought that he was necessarily aggressive enough. What we don't know and what we are going to discover about him in contrast to Nancy Pelosi is how good is he at whipping his party into consistency and in agreement? That's the question because, again, Joe Manchin's always going to be that dude. But Kristen Sinema? She's been in office for 15 minutes. You shouldn't have people like that trying to flex this early in the game. And the question is going to be, because Nancy Pelosi, she took Katie Porter, she took AOC. Nancy Pelosi will get you. (laughs) She will get you if you don't get in line. You
0: know why Nancy Pelosi will get you? Because guess who her daddy was? The first Italian mayor of Baltimore City, Mr. Tommy DeLisandro, And her brother was mayor of Baltimore. She is from Baltimore. When they had to build coalitions between Italians, Irish, Blacks, Jews, she knows how to do bare-knuckles politics, knocking on doors and convincing you of what needs to happen. And if you're in the way, you won't be for long. Don't let that little Napa wine country nonsense fool you. She's from Baltimore, okay? Just like the women fighting on the front lawn of the Detroit mayor's mansion. She's from Baltimore. It's called a callback in the sitcom land. But you say something important though, Jason, about how these Democrats are going to behave during the impeachment trial. And so we've already seen that Chief Justice Roberts isn't presiding over the trial, which is a touch odd and I think that that opens up a lot of complaints and conversations from not just Republicans but maybe some Democrats who are observing it who want it to just be as transparent sort of seamless as possible but this impeachment is so interesting because the first time around Donald Trump was in the White House and so we had a sitting president as we have in the past the president is being impeached and we see Congress coming together now it's like yet again he looms large he's not in the building but we're still talking about this man but as Joe Biden and many Democrats and people like myself argue we can't let it slide and you know I'm queen of Can't Let It Slide.
1: You know I'm queen of Can't This let it slide. is true. You know the movie, The Grudge? It was based on Dr. Greer. It was based on...
0: <laughs> it's like, you look up Grudge and I'm like, mm, that might be me in the... But it's not even a grudge. It's just, I need to let you know. A, I know. B. We got to talk about it. See, quote Aaliyah, we need a resolution. So I think Joe Biden is basically like lasting Aaliyah in the Oval Office. We need a resolution. We need to make sure that no one who's smarter, savvier, and more articulate than Donald Trump ever comes along and tries to pull this again because it is possible. Our democracy is frayed, oh, frayed, yeah.
1: frayed. Great. It's not even working. Look, to continue your earlier we might need that one in a million president who could rock the vote. <laughs> what, to rock the vote? Is that what you said? <laughs> because you can't really have a middle on this, and that's what the Republicans are trying to do narrative. They're saying, these are the same people who are like, we will never forget Benghazi, where four people died and they wanted to blame Hillary Clinton for a thousand years, and that was years ago, and now the insurrection, which killed five people, which was two weeks ago, in your building, and again, I keep saying, you have thieves in the temple, because the more we hear about this insurrection, the more we know we're going to find out that a member of Congress was DMing these people or something else like that. And they're trying to say, well, you know, let's forget about that. And let's sort of begin the process. And that's part of the issue. That's the danger that we're facing.
0: I think what's so deep is when you talk to someone like AOC who says, listen, I didn't shelter in place with my colleagues because I didn't trust my Republican colleagues not to rat out where I was and put everyone in danger. She was like, let me actually isolate myself so I'm not to be in the honey trap. So with this impeachment though, we've got this divided hyper-partisanship going. Right. We've got Nancy Pelosi who, yeah, she's got a slim majority, but Nancy Pelosi always comes to the game with her ducks in a row. And she always puts the folks who are the best at doing what she needs them to do in the position to do it. So she's got Jamie Raskin, Democrat from Maryland. He's going to lead the charge. It seems pretty straightforward, but it's fascinating because Republicans are like, you can't blame Donald Trump for inviting people to a rally for weeks, saying it's going to be wild, exclamation point, exclamation point, all caps, having a rally outside of the Capitol, telling them to fight for me, whatever you have to do, criticizing all of the Democrats and certain members of his party, including his own vice president. And then fast forward an hour later, we have people storming the Capitol with bats, with flagpoles, with Confederate flags and Nazi flags, with weapons. And Donald Trump is like, well, I didn't tell him to do it. And the <laughs> FBI was like, well, we didn't know they were coming. I'm like, I knew they were coming. I got Twitter, Twitter alerts. Where are we, Jason? Why do I feel like I'm going crazy?
1: Look, if I download a hit iTunes song called Kill My Neighbor, and I give my neighbor's address and what time he gets home from work, and then three weeks later, my neighbor ends up dead. How you me for that. I'm just an artist. Okay. I'm just an artist. Right. All I had, I was inspired to write a song called Kill My Next Door Neighbor, who lives at 1403 Evergreen Lane, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Who gets home at 423 in the afternoon on Thursday? I had no idea this would happen.
0: Not that Michelle, whatever, 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 who
1: plays ball in the park. Not that one, the other one. I said Doug Shafty gets home at 423 p.m. Make sure he don't see the light of the sun again. I didn't know y'all would take that literal. That is essentially the argument. And again, I say this because it just happened, I think it was another case in North. Carolina, where rappers have actually been held accountable for lyrics when it comes to the commission of crime. Yeah.
0: Ask Bobby Shmurda. He's currently sitting in prison, not jail. So this
1: time, these people are witnesses to the crime. This isn't a situation where you don't have to bring in other people to tell you what happened. You were here. You heard what these people said. You didn't miss shit because you were doing shit, as they <laughs> say. So I don't know what the circumstances will be. It will be fascinating to see the Ted Cruz's and everybody else of the world no. trying to say, well, I don't know about this or that. It's like, dude, you were there. You were actually there. But again, I think what this speaks to is something that we talk about as political scientists. It's not just hyper-partisan, but we've moved into this place of negative partisanship, where it's not even about believing in Republicans or believing in Democrats. You hate the other side so much that you will take whatever position is necessary in order to stop them. And that's essentially where the Republican Party is. They don't think Democrats are legitimate. Some of these people could have died. We know they don't like Mike Pence. That's a given. But the fact that you have people saying, we Gonna hang Mike
0: Pence, and then I'm also gonna construct a guillotine though on the steps of the Capitol though. Right, that's the Vice President of the United States. No matter how you feel about him, I don't care whether you're a Democratic member of the House or a Republican member of the House. That should raise an eyebrow for you. Right, and they're just like, you guys are just being so hyperbolic. Before I let you get out of here, <laughs> I love that phrase because you know that's like, let me keep you for about 20 minutes. Right. <laughs> so slowly <laughs> but surely, you got ex-wives and ex-girlfriends all around the country. Like, mm, that's him. That's Jesse. I saw him there. Love it. Some people are turning themselves in. We have parents turning in their kids. We have some kids turning in their parents. I love it. It's like, listen, hi, FBI. I think that's my dad. But throughout the day and those horrid visuals we saw on January 6th, we definitely saw some chocolate chips in that cookie. And we were like, hmm, what are you doing there, Tyrone? That's interesting. But now we find out that some folks, one in particular, a black man, Emmanuel Jackson is his name, who has been apprehended. And surprise, surprise, Jason, he does not make bail. He's currently sitting in jail awaiting his trial because he mostly, likely will go to prison because he is on camera beating a police officer. But it's really fascinating because his colleagues slash friends or whomever, they are back home. One is home because he couldn't get his vegan diet. They're good people. He loves his mother. He's a good dad, even though they found 37 pieces of ammo in his home. It's like, he didn't mean it. He was just following his president. Or he just got wrapped up in the fervor. He was just with his friends. Or he came to get his mom because his mom was wrapped up in it. Somehow, even in this horrible process, processing of what happened on January 6th, we still see the inequitable treatment of Black people when it comes to protests. All the Black folks who were in jail and possibly awaiting trials because of Black Lives Matter protests from the summer, the amount of money and fear that is going on in Black communities because people were just protesting for their basic humanity, and now they're looking at, some of them are looking at quite a few months or years. We know that some of the Ferguson protesters are still in prison, right, still in prison. The ones
1: who haven't mysteriously died. I
0: mean, it's not that much of a mystery when it keeps happening when cars explode. We're seeing, this inequity consistently but even in insurrectionists white folks got free after beating people on camera and the brother is sitting there and he will have plenty of time to think about what he has done because he's not getting out possibly ever
1: look when I saw Emmanuel Jackson by the way I gotta point out cause that's like the blackest blackest name so you were just never gonna get away with this it might as well be like DeAndre Jenkins you will stand out your name might as
0: well be Onyx Blackman
1: when I first saw him I saw his expression cause he looked just like that black dude that they had on real times with Bill Maher they all looked the same they looked like and feel feels that a black Republican all right extremist. I literally thought to myself, What would your mama say? If all your little friends jumped off a bridge, would you do it too? Was a person that would be him. Literally, whether no they-
0: now, Jason, I will say this I was that kid where they're like, If all your friends jumped off a bridge, would you? I was like, Well, probably because I would not want to be on the bridge by myself. I'm just being honest. It's a message
1: I wanted to give to all my white friends in college and high school. Hey guys, that's why I left the club. Yes, hey guys, that's why I stayed in the car.
0: I think our friend Ellie Mistel tweeted something like that because all of us have had that moment. Where it's like, when you were wiling out, that's actually when I exited stage left. Because, and then when we got into it afterwards, and I explained to you, because I'm a Black person, and if we all getting caught up, guess who's really getting caught up? It's me. Or worse than getting caught up.
1: I'm going to share this, and I'll never forget this. When this guy was sitting with these people in the Hyatt, and they were talking about what they were going to do during the day, the fact that at no point in his Black medulla oblongata did it occur to him that once this pops off, that I could end up dead. That I could be the one person who's dragged out of this crowd, I will never forget hanging out with some friends of mine, my roommates, who were all white when I was in London 15, 20 years ago. And they wanted to get into a fight with a bunch of people. And I was like, yeah, we're going. They're like, come on, Jason, you're not willing to fight. I was like, do you see that both the security guards here are South African? They're going to beat my ass twice. I'm not going to get out of this bar world the way that you guys are. And that's what's fascinating about not just Black Proud Boys, but these African-American men who join up with these alt-right activities and somehow think that they're going to skate by, that somehow think that the criminal justice system at the end of the day is going to view you as a patriot or something unique and special. You are not a special snowflake. You are yellow snow. There's nothing you're going to do to get out of it.
0: Well, and he will have lots of time to think about that while he is sitting in jail awaiting prison for insurrection because I guarantee we know that he will not be treated the same as those who beat police officers and we know that a police officer was beaten to death and he won't be treated as Riley Williams, the white woman who is on tape stealing Speaker Pelosi's laptop. And
1: trying to sell it to the Russians and then released on her own recognizance. And then when she was released on her own recognizance, went back on the internet telling people to destroy evidence. But it goes even better than that because the fact that they didn't just go to her house and drag her out again and take her skinny rear end right back to jail is indicative of what we are talking about. But you still gonna have some crazy black people out there thinking that this is justice. So
0: yeah, that's what's going down. We'll stay tuned for what's happening to black people in this country and also what is in it for us. Thank you for listening to What's in it for us. If you liked what you heard, please give us a five star review and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcast and share it with everyone you know.
1: And please email all questions, suggestions, and compliments, especially if they're compliments to me. And maybe you can fill them to Dr. Greer. To podcast at thegrio.com. The What's in it for us podcast is brought to you by The Greer and executive produced by Kevin Y. Brown and produced by Abdul Caduce.